Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be exploring loving-kindness meditation. We're in our second week of our restart of the group learning program, and it's time for us to learn loving-kindness meditation. Because as we spoke last week on Wednesday, breathing mindfulness meditation is the primary style of meditation that every practitioner is going to need in order to attain enlightenment. But there's one other meditation that Gautama Buddha taught as a primary practice in order to train the mind towards enlightenment. And both of these meditations are taking care of some important challenges that the Buddha discovered about the mind. In this restart of our group learning program, we haven't quite talked about the problems yet that the Gautama Buddha discovered about the mind. I'm just kind of gradually introducing you to some of the kind of introductory teachings and introductory practices to kind of get us started. But as we go through this program, we're going to actually deepen our understanding of the problem, the solution, how to actually implement a lot of the teachings Gautama Buddha talked about. But for now, I'm just kind of really introducing you to some of the basic things just to kind of get your practice started and get it established. And loving kindness meditation is one of those practices that everyone's going to need in order to get to enlightenment. The reason why is that loving kindness meditation cultivates loving kindness in the mind so that you can then practice it in daily life. You can practice having loving kindness in daily life. And this is the antidote or the remedy to hatred, anger, resentment, hostility, things like this. This will actually transform the mind from the hatred and anger that the unenlightened mind has. It will transform that into this active goodwill without judgment. So today we're going to be talking about this in depth and we're actually going to be doing a session of loving kindness meditation together so that you can start to implement this into your practice. At this point, if you're participating in this group learning program, having learned breathing mindfulness meditation last Wednesday, you should have had an opportunity to do at least five, seven, 10, you know, 12 of those sessions between last Wednesday and today. And breathing mindfulness meditation is a foundational practice that builds into loving kindness meditation. You're going to see that we're actually going to build on that and using loving kindness meditation as part of our meditation practice. So let's go ahead and jump right in and start discussing what is loving kindness and loving kindness meditation. I've got some 
information from Gautama Buddha's teachings that I'll share with you as well, because remember, as part of enlightenment and as part of this path to enlightenment, learning with a teacher, you never want to believe anything that I say. Don't just believe what I'm sharing with you here and just listen to the talk. What you need to do is you need to understand what I'm sharing with you as teachings and then implement it so that you can see the truth. And by you seeing the truth, you'll be able to see that these teachings are indeed actually working. And when you see that they're working, then you'll have wisdom in which to apply in daily life and the mind will gradually improve through this wisdom. So because I'm not interested in you believing anything that I share with you, rather than assume that Gautama Buddha taught meditation, rather than assume and believe that he taught loving kindness meditation, and rather than assume that he actually taught loving kindness meditation to get rid of hatred and anger and ill will and all these things, I'm going to actually show you his teachings so that you can see it with your own eyes and you don't have to believe anything that I say. So let's start with what is loving kindness? A definition of loving kindness. What loving kindness is, is active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. What active goodwill is, is it's an genuine interest for others to be well, others to be peaceful, right? Oftentimes in the unenlightened mind, if we disagree with somebody or there are certain things we don't like about certain people, we may in the mind kind of wish them harm or we may kind of look down on them with judgment or we may kind of disparage people. But if you're training the mind to this enlightened mental state where it's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, looking down on others, disparaging others, and having judgment towards others is going to inhibit you in relationships. It's going to block you from having very healthy and conducive relationships where you can get along with all people. So what you need to do is cultivate this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. And the way that we do this is through meditation and then we practice it in daily life. The word metta is a word that you're probably going to see used within the Buddhist community because there's kind of this connection to Gautama Buddha's teachings through the Pali language because that's the largest source of his teachings in the Pali canon or the Pali text that dates back to about 1200 years ago even though he taught over 2,500 years ago, the largest collection of teachings that we have from Gautama Buddha are in the Pali language. So you might hear people call this metta, meaning loving kindness. And they, instead of calling it loving kindness meditation, they might call it metta meditation. But I don't use any of the Pali words. I'm just kind of referencing it here and in the book and some other teachings that I share just because you're going to hear some other people using it and it's good for you to make the connection. It's really important that we study these teachings in English and that we discuss these teachings in English because then the widest audience possible will be available to you to interact with and share these teachings, discuss these teachings, get help with these teachings. So rather than trying to learn all of this Pali language, which would be a big obstacle to ever learning the Buddhist teachings to first have to learn Pali, 
we're just going right to the English, which is something that you'll understand. And then by understanding it more readily, you remove that obstacle of having to learn Pali. And by learning the teachings more readily, you can then apply them in life and see the results more readily. So you remove this whole obstacle by not needing to learn Pali. But there's kind of always this little bit of a connection back to Pali. And some people do study a little bit of Pali. So it's good for you to know that loving kindness is metta. Okay? So loving kindness is active goodwill towards all beings without judgment. This is a genuine wish for all beings to be peaceful. And this is human beings. This is animals. And if you want to take that beyond into the other realms, which we talk about in this chapter two that we're studying this week, there's the realm of hell, afflicted spirits, animal, human, and the heavenly realm. So really what we should be doing is cultivating active goodwill towards all these beings without judgment. By practicing that, then the mind is more enlightened because now you're not judging others, you're not looking down on others, you're not disparaging others, you're not having negative thoughts about others, you're just being kind and polite and peaceful and respectful to all beings, right? Sometimes what we're taught in life is that people need to earn our respect, right? This is something you hear from a lot of people. But if everyone is practicing, you've got to earn my respect, well, how does that log jam ever stop? Because everybody's sitting back and waiting for you to earn my respect rather than just respecting all beings because they're a being. So a better practice that you'll find more helpful, which will go right along with loving kindness and practicing loving kindness in daily life is being polite, being kind, being patient with others, having this genuine wish for others to be peaceful, but also having respect for all beings, being respectful to all people. Nobody has to earn my respect. I respect everybody because they're a being. I respect humans, animals, all beings. Respect is very important that we give each other common courtesy, common respect, and that we're polite with each other. And that's going to be very helpful in our practice moving towards enlightenment. Now, this loving kindness meditation, which cultivates loving kindness in the mind, and then we practice loving kindness in daily life, this is the antidote to the poison of hatred or anger. You're going to learn in about five weeks or so about these three poisons in the mind that are inhibiting the mind from this enlightened mental state. And the three poisons are craving, anger, or ignorance, or craving, anger, and ignorance. We also refer to them as greed, hatred, and delusion. Well, that breathing mindfulness meditation addresses that first poison of craving, which we'll get into a lot more as we progress in the program. This loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness addresses that second poison of hatred or anger or ill will. So loving kindness, because we call hatred, anger, a poison, we also call it an unwholesome root. So we call loving kindness the antidote or the wholesome root, which uproots 
this unwholesome root of hatred and anger. We're going to talk more again in about five weeks or so about how this hatred and anger causes problems and challenges for us in our life and why we need to uproot it, why we need to apply this antidote. Today is more of an introduction just to help you understand how to get started with this loving kindness meditation and start knocking down some of this hatred and anger through meditation and practicing loving kindness. So essentially what we've got here through practicing loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life is it's the remedy for hatred, anger, and we also say ill will. Because next Sunday, this Sunday coming up, you're going to learn about what's called the 10 fetters. These are the 10 things that need to be eradicated from the mind, eliminated from the mind. These are like the taints the pollution of the mind, where the three poisons are kind of like a high-level description of what the problems are in the mind. The 10 fetters or the taints or the pollution of the mind, these are a much more granular detail of what are the problems, what are problematic in the mind. And in there, in the 10 fetters, we usually refer to this as ill will. So that's why you see here that I share that this loving kindness and loving kindness meditation is addressing hatred, anger, and ill will. And we need to get rid of all of this in the mind in order to attain enlightenment. Not only will we talk about this when we discuss the three poisons, but when we get to chapter 13, we're going to be talking about the Brahma-Viharas. The Brahma-Viharas are four mental states that need to be cultivated in the mind in practice in order for a person to attain enlightenment. And loving kindness is one of those Brahma Viharas. So this is very important teaching to understand as it relates to many different aspects of becoming enlightened through Gautama Buddha's teachings. It is a meditation practice that we need to practice and cultivate in the mind. It's an antidote or wholesome root or remedy to hatred, anger, and ill will. And it's part of the Brahma Viharas, which are kind of a wider teaching, which incorporates four different mental states that need to be cultivated in the mind and practiced in order to attain enlightenment. So let me pause here and see if we have any questions on what is loving kindness before we go in to some other aspects of what I was planning to share with you today. Hi, David. I've previously heard loving kindness described as a combination of compassion and sympathetic joy. So the compassion being concern for the well-being of others and sympathetic joy being uh, joy in others' successes, even if we had nothing to do with it. Is that a fair description of loving kindness or is it helpful to think of it as something completely different to those? I can see how somebody might do that. I think of all of these as very different aspects of the mind that need to be cultivated. Loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, which are the Brahma Faharas. Those are all individual things that need to be cultivated where loving kindness is this active goodwill towards all beings. Compassion is concern for others' misfortune. So when people have misfortunate things happen to them, having concern for that. So this is active goodwill. This is kind of more of a proactive, outward, genuine wish for others to be well. 
where compassion is a concern when somebody's having misfortune. So it's completely different in my view. When we practice loving kindness meditation, are we also cultivating sympathetic joy and compassion when we do this? Or are these things we should practice separately? They're practiced separately. Yeah, I think uh, it's good to just do one thing at a time, right? Because that's how the mind works, is just focusing on one thing at a time. So really getting in touch with this active goodwill for all beings and this genuine wish for others to be well, not having judgment towards other beings. It's really important to just fixate on that one singular goal. Thank you, David. We have a follow-up from Judith and she asks, Dear David, I have difficulty discerning loving kindness and compassion. And the second part you just touched on, is compassion also being happy for other people's success or joy? Okay, so let's just go into a little bit of the Ramavaharas since you guys have some background in that. Let's let's go into it. So loving kindness is this active goodwill towards all beings without judgment, this genuine wish for just all beings to be well, right? This is also, I describe in chapter 14, I call it true love where you you don't have any expectations of others you don't have any judgment of others you don't have any obligations of others you don't want anything from this person you don't desire anything from this person you just have a genuine interest for all beings to be well that's loving kindness compassion is when somebody's having misfortune when somebody's down on their luck when someone's having trouble when somebody trips and falls, when somebody's having a bad day, when somebody's having some unfortunate situation. You guys can think of umpteen number of unfortunate situations that have happened to you or you've seen happen to other people. Having a concern for others in their misfortune, their unwell being. Once they're unwell, now we have a concern for that unwellness. Where loving kindness is a proactive, just a genuine wish for all beings to be well, where compassion is now once things have gone unwell, I'm concerned about those people. I'm concerned about people who don't have food, that don't have medical supplies, that don't have clothing, that don't have shelter, that don't have water, that don't have medicine, people who have any kind of you know, like I said, umpteen number of unfortunate events that may have happened to them or may be happening to them, right? This is compassion, a concern for others' misfortune. Sympathetic joy is when other people have success, you are pleased with their success. You are joyful for their success, even if you didn't contribute to it. So if somebody gets a new job, right? or they get a a promotion or a new income or they get a new house. You are pleased with their success even though you didn't contribute to their success, right? So what sympathetic joy is, is, the Buddha doesn't say this, but it's like an antidote to jealousy, right? If we become jealous, oftentimes in the unenlightened mind, if somebody gets something like a new house or a new job or a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, a new car, any kind of things like this, or if someone is just, we consider them to be more beautiful or more handsome than us, you know, we might be jealous of that. 
where sympathetic joy is just being joyful for other people's success, even if you didn't contribute to it. Or even if you guys are both working on the same thing, like right now there's like probably tons of people that are working on vaccines for the COVID-19 virus. Well, if somebody is enlightened, even if somebody else gets that vaccine first and our team failed, then rather than being sad and depressed and we failed and we're miserable, an enlightened being is going to be joyful for that success, even though they didn't contribute to it. So that's what sympathetic joy is at a real basic level. And then the fourth one is equanimity, which is an evenness of temper and even killness, especially in difficult situations and treating all people equally. So these are the four Brahma Viharas, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. We're going to talk about these in more detail in chapter 13. Does this help you guys see the differences between the four of them? Certainly. Thank you, David. Yes. And Judith is also commenting. Thank you. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think we're good. Okay, so let's move on to the next part that I was planning to share with you guys, which is just a little bit of words from Gautama Buddha. And each session that we do like this, because remember on Wednesday, we're rotating. We're doing breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and chanting. And we're going to rotate those every three weeks. So I'll be sharing more and more of Gautama Buddha's actual words on loving kindness and loving kindness meditation as we get going. But here, I just wanted to kind of share some real basic ones for you guys. Here, this first line, he's addressing Rahula. Rahula is his son, right? A lot of people think that Gautama Buddha stepped down from being a prince and he left his family. He turned his back on his family and never looked back. This actually isn't true. What happened is he left the palace went off on this six-year journey to attain enlightenment. And when he did, he came back to that area where the palace was and his father's kingdom. And a lot of his family ended up joining him to become ordained. So his mom died when he was seven days old because he was born out of the side of her stomach. His head was too big to be born through the vagina in 2,500 years ago, they didn't have C-sections, so he was born out of the side of her stomach. So she actually dies seven days after he was born. So his stepmother, which was his aunt, she pretty much adopted him, his mom's older sister. She became the very first female ordained practitioner. She asked to be ordained, and the Buddha didn't have any females at that point. And after discussing it and contemplating it, he decided to ordain her. His son was the first novice. A novice is someone who's under the age of 20, who essentially practices just 10 precepts. And then once you become 20, you get your full ordination and you practice a lot more actual precepts. So Rahula is his son. His cousins and other people join him as well, to the point where he actually has to institute a rule that you can only become ordained with him if your family agrees and supports it because his father, the king, comes to Gautama Buddha very discontent, very upset, very sad because all these family members are leaving the royal palace to join the Buddha. 
And the father was concerned that his kingdom wasn't going to be able to continue because there was nobody to inherit the throne. So Gautama Buddha had left. He was the first in line. And Gautama Buddha's son leaves. Several of his cousins leave. And the father comes and you know kind of complains to the Buddha. And that's when he implements the rule that people can ordain when they actually have the support of their family, which would be their parents, if they have a life partner, their children, other people like this. So that practice is actually still in place today, at least here in Thailand. I know that in order to become ordained, you need your parents and your life partners and your children to be supportive and allow you to do that. So Gautama Buddha didn't just abandon his family and kind of like step out on everybody and just never go back. He actually continued to be around his family, or at least his family came to be around him. So this teaching here and others that you'll see from Gautama Buddha, he'll address Rahula, which is his son. So this one here, he's saying Rahula, develop meditation on loving kindness. For when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned, right? So this is the beauty in Gautama Buddha's teachings. They're just so straightforward, so simple, and in their simplicity, they're so profound because you don't have to really interpret, you know, there's not all this kind of like code. There's not all this into window of what he's truly trying to say. He had 45 years to teach, so he was very clear in his teachings and very direct in his teachings. And here he's talking to his son and just explains very clearly, develop meditation on loving kindness, for when you develop meditation on loving kindness, any ill will will be abandoned. And then, of course, if you look at the 10 fetters, which are the 10 things that the Buddha says that need to be abandoned from the mind and eliminated from the mind, ill will is one of those. So you understand that this is the practice to abandon hatred, anger, and ill will. And then here's another line that he just kind of says, loving kindness should be developed to abandon ill will. And I've just kind of pulled these out of much longer teachings just to kind of show you that what I'm teaching you today isn't just what David kind of thought up and just started teaching you loving kindness meditation, that this actually comes from Gautama Buddha. And he's giving very specific guidance of training the mind with loving kindness meditation and then practicing that in daily life. Okay, so these are some teachings from Gautama Buddha. How are we going to do loving kindness meditation? In Gautama Buddha's teachings, in this Pali canon or Pali text, which dates back about 1200 years ago. It dates back to about 800 CE, which is common era or AD, right? It's about 1200 years old. And it's the largest collection that we have of Gautama Buddha's teachings, but it actually doesn't contain everything that somebody would need in order to attain enlightenment. This is why you can't just read the Pali Canon and become enlightened, you need guidance from teachers. And even if you did read all the Pali Canon, it doesn't contain everything because from 2,500 years ago when Gautama Buddha died until now, there's been lots of impermanence that has affected the teachings. And one of the things that I'm doing in the resources and the teachings I provide is really going back to, well, what did Gautama Buddha actually teach and sharing that? But even though this Pali Canon 
dates back 1,200 years ago, there was 1,300 years of impermanence before this polycanon actually kind of takes off, right? And before at least the version that we're all working from kind of solidifies the teachings and shares them. So while Gautama Buddha shared, I'm sure, during his lifetime, what he did for loving kindness meditation, that never makes it all the way to today where we look at the Pali Canon, there's no description of what he's actually doing for loving kindness meditation. With breathing mindfulness meditation, it's there. You can see it. It's very clear. It's got a lot of details of what he did for breathing mindfulness meditation. But when it comes to loving kindness meditation, it's not there. Over 2,400 years, we've lost that information. So what you do is you learn various meditations and you practice them for a while and you see what affects your mind. What is the truth? What is actually working for your mind? Because if you know the goal is to abandon hatred, anger, ill will, well, when you start applying this meditation of loving kindness and you do that for a number of weeks, then you should see some benefit to that and you should start seeing this anger, this hatred, this ill will start to kind of get knocked down. And if it is, then that means that the loving kindness meditation that you're using is working. And that's the truth because there's lots of different loving kindness meditation practices out there or metta meditations out there. This meditation that I share with you is the one that I did for many, many years and it worked. So I know that it works and I would only share anything with you that I know that works 100%. So that's why I share this. However, you're going to see metta meditation or loving kindness meditation that other people do because there is no loving kindness meditation from Gautama Buddha. People have kind of come up with various ways of doing this. What I would suggest for all of you guys that are in this program is to learn this style of loving kindness meditation, work with it for many weeks, and you'll see the benefits. Some students tell me after just a couple of days or even a week or so, they notice a real difference in the condition of their mind by doing this loving kindness meditation. So I suggest that you do this one and see how it affects the mind. If for some reason this one doesn't work for you, then let me know. I want to make sure that you're doing it you know, in the way that I taught. Make sure you're understanding it. Make sure you're applying it properly. And then try it some more and see what the results are. But ultimately, if this one isn't working for you, there's other ones out there that may potentially work for you. But I've never actually had a student ever tell me that this doesn't work because I know it works for myself and I've been teaching it now for many years. So I know that this one will work for you. But if for some reason it doesn't, let me know. And then we'll review what you understand, make sure you're applying it properly, and then let you continue to practice it from there. And then we can continue from that point. So let me share with you how to actually do loving kindness meditation. If you remember from the brief little introduction that I did last week with breathing mindfulness meditation, we got our body into position, you know, our lower body, our upper body, our hands and our arms. We started focusing our mind on the breath, which is breathing mindfulness meditation. I did some chanting and then we kind of eased down into meditation. We did our breathing mindfulness meditation and then we came out of the meditation. Well, that is the beginning 
of loving kindness meditation. What I would suggest for you is to do breathing mindfulness meditation first. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, however long you would like to do it for to really kind of center the mind and kind of knock down some of that craving or attachment and just kind of bring the mind to the breath and just root it in the present moment so that the mind isn't wandering to the past or isn't wandering to the future and you can just be more present in the present moment with breathing mindfulness meditation. And that's what we're going to do today when we actually do our meditation. We're going to do breathing mindfulness meditation first. But then after some period of time of doing breathing mindfulness meditation, we're then going to transition into loving kindness meditation. And the way loving kindness meditation works is you have these affirmations in the mind. And these affirmations are meant to cultivate this loving kindness or active goodwill without judgment in the mind. Because remember, with breathing mindfulness meditation, we're eliminating the thoughts, we're cutting them off, we're letting them go. But here, we're actually cultivating loving kindness in the mind by using these affirmations. And there's four that I will typically use. It always starts with yourself, I, because you need to cultivate this active goodwill for yourself. You guys may have experienced like negative self-talk or disparaging your own self, kind of looking down on yourself, beating yourself up. This can be remedied through loving kindness meditation. And if we're going to have this active goodwill towards other beings without judgment, well, how can we have that for others if we don't have it for ourselves first? So this practice of loving kindness meditation and loving kindness in daily life starts with having loving kindness for yourself. Not a conceited based love, but just a genuine wish for you to be well, for this life, this person to be well. And we start in the middle, which is I. So these four affirmations are, may I be peaceful. May I be safe. May I be well. May I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering that it causes. And I realize we haven't talked yet about what discontentedness is, but we're going to get to that in about a week and a half. We're going to really explore that in much more detail. So these affirmations that you do, you're doing it quietly in the mind and you're doing it on the out breath. So once you transition from the breathing mindfulness meditation into the loving kindness meditation, as you're breathing out, focusing on the breath, you're going to repeat this affirmation of may I be peaceful in the mind on the out breath. And you let that come out. And then on, you breathe in, and then on the next out breath, may I be safe. Let that go out, and then you bring it back to inhale, and then on the exhale, may I be well. Then the inhale, and then on the exhale, may I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering that it causes. I'm gonna be saying these affirmations out loud because I'm guiding you guys in meditation. And when you guys hear me say it, then you just repeat it in the mind on your next out breath. If I was doing this by myself, I wouldn't be saying it out loud. You wouldn't know if I was doing breathing mindfulness meditation 
or lo loving kindness meditation because if you looked at me, I'm just sitting there or lying or standing or what have you, and I've just got my eyes closed and I'm breathing. So if you're doing this on your own, you won't be saying it out loud. You'll just be doing it in the mind and doing it on the out breath, okay? Then once you're done with yourself and you've done these four affirmations for yourself, then you create another ring beyond yourself. And here I usually share the next ring is we. May we, meaning the people that are together doing this meditation. May we be peaceful, may we be safe, may we be well, may we be free of discontentedness. And then we go to all beings. May all beings be peaceful, safe, well and free of all discontentedness these three here are kind of like a standard that you can use and you can practice if you like especially if you're looking for kind of a shorter meditation but in reality i typically do about five six eight of these different rings and you can actually create these based on your own needs you can do it based on your relationships with people it could be may i be peaceful May my family be peaceful. May my friends be peaceful. May my coworkers, may everyone in my neighborhood, may the whole world, right? You can go out and you always want to finish with kind of like all beings, right? You might want to do it by geography. You know, may you, may everyone in your household, may everyone in your neighborhood, may everyone in your town, may everyone in your state, may everyone in your country, May everyone in the world, right? You can do it based on geography. There's a little bit of creativity here, a little bit of customization that you can do. So you can create these rings however you like and create whatever customization that you feel is best for you and as many or as few of these rings as you might choose. And if you're having challenges with certain people in your life, like say something happened to you in the past with your parents and you're harboring resentment or ill will towards your parents you probably want to incorporate them in as one of these rings or say you're having a hard time at work and there's a particular co-worker that's just you and them is really having problems and you're at odds with each other for the last few days or the last few weeks you probably want to make a special ring just for that person you can even do this meditation where you just start with you go to that person and you just keep repeating it for that person over and over and over and over again for multiple sessions and then go to all beings. That can really help you to let go of hatred or anger or ill will or resentment towards any one particular person. So if you've had people in your past or if you've had people currently in your life that you're having challenges with, you, you probably want to include them as an actual ring in your meditation and do that over multiple sessions. It's important that you understand that what loving kindness meditation is doing is it's improving the condition of your mind. Okay, it's improving your mind. We're not actually sending loving kindness to other people. That's not possible. We can't change other people through our meditation. We can't change other people at all. Each individual has to make choices for their own life and only they can decide if they're going to change and improve and do something better. So we're not sending people loving kindness and asking them to change and trying to get them to change through our meditation. What we're actually doing is we're cultivating our mind. So using that example, 
if we have a coworker who we're having a lot of challenges with and there's like a rub at work between you know us and them well every time you're around them you kind of feel kind of resentful you kind of feel jealous you feel hostility you feel this anger arise and even though we think we're being pretty slick and we're kind of hiding those feelings it comes out they feel it and other people feel it and it affects us in our relationships even we feel like we're hiding it and we're pushing it down and we're just smiling as smiling can be that is still affecting our relationship not only with that person but other people in the office as well so what loving kindness meditation is doing by including that particular person that you're having challenges with in the office you're changing your mind right they may or may not ever change in their entire life they may not choose to walk a life where they're practicing loving kindness but you can choose to do that and by your choice of improving your life practice by cultivating this active goodwill towards all beings in the mind now when you're around that person in the office when you have meetings together when you and them and other people are at lunch or whatever it is you can practice active goodwill towards all beings and if they're still angry and hostile towards you and you're practicing loving kindness you can't change them other people will observe that you're being very loving and very kind and this person just keeps being hostile not that you have to point it out not that you have to gossip not that you have to slander this person other people will observe it on their own so rather than keep this anger this hostility this hatred this ill will towards other beings letting that go a way to let that go is through loving kindness meditation and cultivating this in the mind and the more and more that you do this it will erode that hatred that anger that hostility that ill will that resentment and now when you're around that person and all the other people your mind will be free of that hatred your mind will be liberated from that hatred that's one of the things we say about enlightenment we call it liberation of the mind whereas if your mind is burdened carrying around this hatred and anger and ill will it's a pretty heavy burden to carry around and you've got to kind of always be looking out for that person that you don't like and hope that they don't come to lunch with you and your other friends you try to schedule meetings where they're not going to be part of it you're always kind of looking out for where are they and you don't want to be around them that kind of burdens the mind so the way to liberate the mind from that is to have loving kindness for all beings and even though that other person is being hostile and angry you practice loving kindness towards all beings and the way that you really do that is here and meditation is cultivated in the mind over multiple sessions so that then in daily life you can practice active goodwill towards all beings without judgment loving kindness you can practice that in daily life so after we do our loving kindness meditation i will then end it with a chant like i did last time and i'm not going to actually use these three rings i usually like to do more than just three so i will add some other rings so that you kind of hear some different variety of rings that potentially you could use but there's a bit of creativity here which makes it kind of interesting and in the book in chapter 11 i even talk about how you can customize these statements these four that i use may i be peaceful 
safe, well, and free of discontentness in the suffering it causes. These are the four that I use, but you can actually customize these if you want as well. But what's important is that last word, peaceful, safe, well, discontentedness, you need it to be non-burdening, right? You don't want to set up in the mind that you're expecting somebody to do something. So if I was to say, may I be kind, or may my coworkers be polite, or may my coworkers be friendly, right? This requires them to do something, and it requires judgment, because we have to judge of whether people are being friendly or not, or we have to judge whether we are being polite or not. So loving kindness, active goodwill without judgment, there's no judgment. So these four statements are what we call non-burdening statements, where we're not putting a burden on ourselves and we're not burdening others with any particular action. Again, you're not trying to change anyone through this meditation, but you don't want to kind of set up the false success in the mind where you're kind of looking out to see if you're being more friendly and you're judging yourself as a part of that. If you're going to customize these statements at all, be sure that you use non-burdening words like the ones that I'm using here, peaceful, safe, well, and discontentedness. Do we have any questions on loving kindness meditation, how it's done, or any of the other things we've been discussing today? You mentioned earlier, David, that loving kindness meditation is one of only two stars meditation that all people will need if they are to attain enlightenment. So with that in mind, what are some thoughts you might have as to how we can structure loving kindness meditation, bring that into our overall approach to meditation? Do we need to do it as much as breathing mindfulness meditation? Should we be doing it every day? I appreciate there's probably no permanent answer to any of these questions, but what seems to work or what's worked for you in the past and what are some things that people might want to consider? Yeah, everybody is a little bit different and you have to make decisions for yourself. When I first started out on this path, I had a good amount of anger inside. You know, people didn't know it externally. You know, people can be quietly angry, right? Like I wasn't hostile and aggressive with people outwardly, but inside I was harboring a lot of anger, a lot of hatred, a lot of ill will, a lot of resentment for things that happened in my past. So what I used to do is I used to do this every single time I would meditate. I would pretty much do loving kindness meditation all the time. And that's what I needed. And then as that subsided, then I did it less and less frequently to the point where now I don't do it at all. I don't need to do it. So you've got to decide how you do this. So for me, like right now, I do morning and evening is when I'm meditating. And then sometimes in the middle of the day like this where I'm teaching a class. So if I was to say there's lots of different options, you could do loving kindness meditation every session. If you really feel that you've got anger and hatred, ill will, hostility, and you know that this is a big area that you need to work on, I would be doing it every single session right along with your breathing mindfulness meditation. Another way you might try to do it is you might do breathing mindfulness meditation in loving kindness one session and then do one session with just breathing mindfulness meditation. And then another one with breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness, and then one with just breathing mindfulness meditation. That's another way to do it. You may even choose to have breathing mindfulness meditation on 
morning and evening and then in the middle of the day that's where you do your loving kindness meditation you have to really decide for yourself but because the unenlightened mind is going to have this hatred anger ill will hostility resentment that's why everyone needs to do this and how much you do it is really up to you you know how much anger and hatred and ill will and resentment you've got in the mind and if you've got a good amount of that then you should really be doing this every day as part of your overall meditation practice thanks david that's really helpful so it really is the antidote to anger so the answer really depends on how much we need it when we need it to what extent we need it right and that's a, a theme that recurs here because we're always making our own decisions we need to be able to read our mind and understand what it needs and how we can put ourselves back on track pull our mind back to the middle yeah and what's important is that you understand that loving kindness meditation and even breathing mindfulness meditation these are daily consistent dedicated practices that we do where we're trying to kind of get ahead of the curve right if you're actually angry and you're really enraged if you want to sit down and do loving kindness meditation at that point go for it but it might be a bit challenging for you what this is going to do for you is this is going to help you to get ahead of the curve so don't feel like this is a meditation that is an instant fix for anger or hatred this isn't the kind of practice where okay i'm feeling angry let me take a pill and get rid of that anger right away that's not what loving kindness meditation does or any of these practices what you're doing is you're dedicating yourself to a daily regular consistent practice so that you really get ahead of the curve so it's nice to do things while you're actually angry and having you know bits of rage or whatever you know go out for a walk go for a jog you know go do something walk your dog do whatever it is that you need to calm the mind down and bring it back to contentedness if you can but where these practices really have the most benefit is that daily consistent that gradual training that the buddha talks about almost like a drip feed where you're just drip feeding to the mind this cultivation of loving kindness so that you can really get ahead of the curve of this anger and that's where you'll start seeing it get knocked down more and more so don't feel like this is only something that you should use in the heat of the moment because i think that it's probably going to be pretty difficult for the average person to actually do this in the heat of the moment because there's so much anger and so much rage in the mind to be able to sit down and actually cultivate loving kindness at that point i mean you've got to first get rid of all that anger and then try to bring in the loving kindness so more appropriately the way to apply this would be as a daily consistent practice to really get ahead of the anger so that then it doesn't arise in daily life the way that it perhaps might be now got it thank you david it appears we have no more questions okay so let's do this let's have everybody go ahead and get ready for meditation so whether you're in the zoom classroom whether you're on youtube or facebook or on the podcast wherever you're listening to this at go ahead and get in your normal meditation position whether that's seated lying or standing and remember there's walking but we don't usually do loving kindness meditation in the walking position so go ahead and get your lower body comfortable if you're on the floor that might mean putting some cushions under your rear 
to lessen the angle at your hips, and then just cross your legs. Your lower body should be comfortable, but not luxurious. You don't wanna really tighten up your legs real tight and inhibit the circulation, because then there's gonna be pain in the lower body, and then it's gonna be hard to cultivate loving kindness while you're experiencing all this pain. So you really want the body to be comfortable, but not luxurious. If you're in a chair, you might just wanna cross your legs or put your feet flat on the floor, whatever's comfortable for you. Remember, this isn't about everybody doing it exactly the same way because that's impossible. So make your lower body comfortable. Your upper body, you should be using your muscles to engage the upper body and make your spine erect. You don't want it to be real stiff and you don't want it to be slouched. You want it to be nice and active. Use the muscles to make the spine and the muscles active. So that keeps the mind engaged. Because in order to practice meditation and train the mind, we need an active, attentive, alert mind. And by keeping the upper body engaged, it maintains that active alertness in the mind. So keep the upper body engaged. Now the hands and arms. Gautama Buddha placed his right hand over top of his left. So he will put the back of his hand in the left palm and then touch the thumbs together. And then he would place that in his lap. If that works for you, use it. But if it's not comfortable, you can always put your palms flat on your thighs, you can put them on your knees, you can put them on the armrest if you're on a chair, whatever is comfortable for you. But essentially, your meditation posture, you shouldn't have any muscles really engaged in the seated position other than the upper body. And if you're laying on the floor, everything should just be completely disengaged, okay? Now, just start focusing on the breath. Close your eyes and focus breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. A nice, steady, consistent breath. So I'm going to do some chanting to ease us down into meditation. I'm going to give you some guidance on breathing mindfulness meditation, allow you to do that for a period of time, and then I'm going to come in with the loving kindness meditation. Okay, so now just focus on the breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Next week, I'll teach you the chanting so that that way you can chant along. But for now, I'll just do it on my own or any students who've been learning with me. If you want to join, you're welcome to join.
नपमोर्हसागवा भारो संभूत नपमोर्हसागवा भारो संभूत नपमोर्हसागवा हारो संभूत पीसो महकवासो चाचारण सामुनो सखा तो अनु तेरो पुरी सा मानु सना हो तो okay, you should have your eyes closed and just breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just established a nice, natural breath. You don't want to force your breath. You don't want to control your breath. Just a nice, natural in through the nose and out through the nose. As you're establishing the breath, bring the mind to the breath. Focusing on the breath as your anchor. Fixate the mind on the breath. The sound of the breath or the sensation of the air entering the nose over the skin. This is the present moment. So you'd like to fix the mind on the present moment, which is the breath. This is breathing mindfulness meditation. We're focusing on the breath and bringing the awareness of the mind to the breath. Training the mind to reside only in the present moment. Now, as you're breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, the mind's gonna wanna go to the past, to the future, have thoughts, ideas, perceptions. As that happens, just cut it off. Wherever you notice it, just cut it off. Let it go and bring the mind back to the breath. The mind's unenlightened, so it's going to wander. You haven't done anything wrong. No need to feel guilty or shameful. Just wherever you notice it, just cut it off and bring the mind back to the breath. 
the more and more you train this, the easier it will become to not only focus the mind in the present moment during meditation, but also in daily life. So I'm going to leave you on your own to just focus on the breath. And then after that, I'll come back with some guidance for loving kindness meditation. So just focus on the breath, cutting off the thoughts, letting them go, bringing the mind to the present moment, the breath. You have nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one needs you right now. This is your time to train the mind.
okay, continuing to focus on your breath. Continuing to focus on the breath. As you exhale, just repeat this affirmation in the mind. May I be peaceful. May I be safe. May I be well. May I be free of discontentedness and the suffering that it causes. May we be peaceful. May we be safe. May we be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all those who are in my immediate family be peaceful. 
may they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all my friends, associates, and co-workers all be peaceful. May they be safe. free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I'll never meet, never come in contact with, may they all be peaceful. safe. 
may they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those that have caused me harm, may they all be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I have harmed, may they all be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well.
May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all beings, no matter where they are and where they reside, may they all be peaceful. safe. May they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Arahang Sapmasamhoto Magawa Pot
ಮಹಾಕವನ್ನಿ ಸವಖಾ ಮಹಾಕವತಮಸಿ ಸೋಪಥೇಪನೋ ಮಹಾಕವತ ಸಾಕವತ ಸಂಭೂತ 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 ಸಖಾತೋ ಅನುತೇರೋಪುರಿ ಸಾಮಸಿ Okay, if you guys would like to start coming out of meditation. All right, what questions do you guys have based on our discussion today of loving kindness, loving kindness meditation, how to actually perform loving kindness meditation how to practice loving kindness in daily life anything along these lines let me know what questions you have or even if there's any questions you have from our talk we did on sunday about why study gotama buddha's teachings you're welcome to ask those kind of questions on our wednesday sessions as well i have another question about compassion david you mentioned earlier how compassion is a concern for the misfortune of others i think it's safe to say that we're not going to run out of people to have concern for anytime soon and so when we're faced with the troubles of the world it could be very easy just to become 
consumed with sorrow or feeling sorry for other people. And we may feel like we all want to go out and help everybody. Uh, my understanding is that there's a middle way to be found here. And maybe you can offer some thoughts on how we can practice compassion, but also temper that in such a way that we're not allowing our own minds to get carried away with that. Yeah, so this word concern, you know, I selected that for a reason, concern for others' misfortune, because what can oftentimes happen is the mind can worry, right? We can have worry where we're worried about others. And if someone's mind is worrying, the mind is discontent, because essentially the reason why we worry is because we see all the problems. We see so many problems, either in our own life, in the life of those people around us, in the life of the entire world, and the mind just worries because it sees so many problems. And this is going to cause discontentedness in the mind because the mind wants things to be a certain way. It wants it to be different, either for your life, the life of others, or all of the world. So what you need to do is you need to move this into concern. The difference between a worried mind and a concerned mind where a worried mind sees all the problems, a concerned mind sees the solutions, sees the solutions to those problems. So a concerned mind can be concerned and not discontent. It's like I'm concerned about this person with misfortune, but I'm not feeling sorryful. I'm not feeling you know, all this uh, sadness because I see somebody who's homeless, for example, or a child who's abused or uh, someone who doesn't have money for food. I can have concern for them, but I'm not going to worry about them because if I worry, then my mind's going to be overactive with feelings of sadness and sorrowfulness. It's going to be discontent. But in order to move the mind into this middle way, you can have concern, which is you see the solutions. And the solutions are essentially these teachings of the Buddha that as we start talking here more and more each week, you're going to see that if the entire world learned and practiced these good, wholesome teachings, there would be no homelessness. There would be no famine. There would be no childhood abuse. There would be no domestic violence. There would be no discrimination or racism or wars or any of these things that we see you know, in the world. So there's always going to be problems in the world. There's always going to be problems. As long as we live in this particular life, we're not going to eradicate the problems in our lifetime right? Every individual has to decide to learn and practice these teachings to eradicate the problems in the mind and practice this better way of life to essentially create heaven on earth. However, since we're in this world and there are all these problems, the Buddha called it fretting about the world, you know, kind of complaining about the world, how sometimes you might choose to do that or you might be around people that just choose to complain about the world. Well, complaining about the world isn't helping the world because the world has to kind of sort its own issues out. But for you, in order to maintain this middle way, develop this contented mind where it's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, you have to let go of fretting about the world, right? We're going to talk about this in about a week and a half, how the mind holds on and it causes itself to be discontent. The more you hold on to this world, and you want the world to be a certain way, 
you desire the world to be a certain way, you crave for this world to be a certain way, the mind's going to keep being discontent and it's going to keep causing itself to be discontent. So a way to practice non-attachment is having concern. It's like, yeah, I see all these problems. I understand all these problems in the world and I see where all these problems are coming from, but I don't have the ability to solve all these problems because each individual has to solve their own problems. All I can do is solve the problems in my life. And by doing that, that's going to take care of this life. And when you see that these good, wholesome teachings do improve your life, then you know that these are the solutions because it solved the problems in your life. It can solve all these other problems in everyone else's life too, if they choose to learn and practice, but you can't force them. Everybody has to choose on their own accord. So rather than just sit around and worry, seeing all the problems, you have to be able to see the solution to the problems. The number one solution is work on your own mind. You got to start there. Sometimes we feel that you know, everyone else has to be doing a certain thing or be a certain way. And as soon as everyone else gets their stuff in order, then I'm going to get my stuff in order. But that's not how this works. You have to get your stuff in order first. And by you improving your life, then the people around you are going to be affected more and more and more without you even having to say anything or do anything. For example, I found out this week, from my son, you know, he's observed me in the last few years switching over to vegan and eating only plant-based foods. And he's been slowly kind of doing that on his own. He's eight years old. He told me this week that his classmates at school asked him why he always eats vegetarian food or vegan food. And he told them. And now in second grade, is he says his whole class pretty much eats vegan. They all switched on their own because they... <laughs> they asked him, why are you eating vegan? And he'd explain to them the harm that it's causing in the world. And then all those second graders decided to switch over and start eating vegan at their school cafeteria. So, you know, I'm not proud of that. I'm not taking pride in that. I'm just kind of pointing it out as an example of just by me changing my practice and switching to vegan and eating vegan, he was influenced by that. And then he switched over in his life. And then by him being influenced by that, other people observe like, hey, that kid keeps eating vegan all the time. Like, what's going on? Why do you do that? And then once they found out, then they decided to switch on their own. And this is how the world improves is by everybody choosing to make good, wholesome choices for themselves rather than us trying to push these teachings into the world. The world kind of pulls the teachings into the world, but it all starts with your own practice. And by you improving your life practice, what you're going to notice is slowly over time, more and more people around you will start taking notice and they will start changing as well because you can't change and everyone else stays the same. As you start changing, everything's going to start shifting. And that's the way that the world changes, not necessarily by actively going out and standing on street corners and banging a drum and asking everybody to practice the Buddhist teachings, but by us just doing it and people observing how, wow, this person's mind's always calm and peaceful and serene and content and they always have joy. Like, what are you doing over there? And then the more that people take notice of that and you just share it with them, and then it's up to them if they choose to implement those same teachings or not. And this is the way that things slowly change in the world. And so moving the mind from worried to concerned, 
where you can have concern for others' misfortune, but a concerned mind knows the solutions to the problems. They're not just looking at the problems themselves. So you said there was the effect of we can only really change our own mind. Mm -hmm. And so to what extent can we solve other people's problems? Or can we only support people who are interested in helping themselves and also influence people so they perhaps become uh, interested in helping themselves? Can one in any way help someone who isn't interested in helping themselves? It was the latter, that you can't change other people. There's nothing you can do to solve other people's problems because everybody's got to make their own decisions in life. And it's their decisions that are going to either lead them on a certain path to good, wholesome results or unwholesome results. So you can't make every single decision for other people. They have to make the decision for themselves. They have to have the wisdom of how to make good decisions in their life and improve their life. And if you focus your practice on changing other people, you're taking away the focus on what the real problem is. The real problem is your mind wants to change other people. <laughs> you know, going around and trying to change everyone else, it isn't going to work. It never will work. And it just detracts from your own change. You've got to make your own changes and really just stay laser light focused on that because there's nothing you can ever do that's going to physically change another person. But by you changing, you incorporating these good, wholesome teachings in your life, improving the condition of your mind, other people will gradually be influenced by that. That can't be your focus. That can't be the reason why you're doing this. Because if you get your interest of why you're learning and practicing these teachings out of order, then you're going to put all your focus on everyone else and you're neglecting your own practice. That's why one of the reasons why this loving kindness meditation starts with you. It's all, it's all with you and you're cultivating loving kindness in your mind. So know that other people will be influenced by your practice. That is inevitable. It's going to happen. But that can't be your focus because that's not where you're going to meet any benefits and you can't change other people. It's only by learning and improving your life practice that you will change your mind. And by you doing that, it's inevitable that the people in your household or the people in your family unit or the people around your, your immediate living area, your neighbors and stuff like this, people will be influenced by that and decide for themselves if they would like to choose to change or not. But you can't make that a priority. If you base your decisions off of, I want to change this other person, then you're still having craving to change other people. And that's not going to result in any benefit for your mind. We still have concern for these other people, right? We still have this compassion, this concern for others' misfortune, but we can't make that the priority. The priority has to be your own mind. Thank you, David. That's really helpful. I'll go to a question from Deborah on Facebook. In Christianity, you are taught to pray for people who are ill. Could you meditate for a certain person or would that be attachment? You can meditate for people. Uh, or When I say meditate for people, what I mean is you can incorporate that person into your loving kindness meditation, but there's no benefit that they're going to get from that. 
other than the fact that you're changing your mind, you're improving your mind. And when you're around them, you're going to be more loving and more kind, more polite, more peaceful. You're going to have more active goodwill without judgment. So this loving kindness meditation and all meditation, you're not able to influence and change other people, right? Even in prayer, right? Like if I sat here and prayed for Max to have good health, doesn't matter how much I prayed for him to have good health. If he's making bad decisions to eat unwholesome food, he's going to be unhealthy, right? It doesn't matter how much I pray for him. That's part of the unknowing of true reality. There's a lot of people in the world that are praying for others. And while it's a good wholesome intention, because that means there's loving kindness and compassion there, they can't influence and change other people through prayer. It's not possible because Everybody has to make their own decisions. So if there's somebody who's sick or unwell and you would like to incorporate them into your loving kindness meditation, you can, and that's going to improve the condition of your mind, but it's not going to actually create anything beneficial in that other person's mind. They would have to make good, wholesome choices for their own well-being and their own loving kindness, their own meditation, their own life practice. So this isn't a prayer. Meditation isn't prayer. What meditation is, is it's an active, independent, dedicated training session where you're either eliminating certain qualities from the mind, which is breathing mindfulness meditation, or you're cultivating wholesome qualities in the mind, which is loving kindness meditation. So meditation is all about training this mind to either eliminate certain qualities or cultivate certain qualities. So sometimes you might hear someone say, like, I'm going for a jog and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go walk the dog and I'm going to meditate or I'm going to go gardening or I'm going to go for a drive and meditate. Those things are not meditation. People are kind of confusing what meditation is. If you're walking the dog, you're walking the dog. If you're jogging, you're jogging. If you're gardening or driving, you're gardening and driving. Not at the same time, of course, but you understand, right? These are individual activities. What meditation is, is it's an active, independent dedicated training session of the mind where you're either eliminating certain qualities or you're cultivating certain qualities and it only is benefiting you in your mind. Now, as you hear me say, learning and practicing these teachings is the best thing you could do for yourself, for those close to you, and all of humanity. Well, the reason why is because if if you keep the life practice focused on your own mind, by you changing your mind and you putting harm into the world, that is going to benefit those close to you and all of humanity because you're putting less harm in the world, but it's only changing your mind. So meditation is all about your practice and you training your mind so that you're not putting harm into the world. And the benefit that others experience because of that is just a byproduct of you being a better person, you doing better things in the world. We had a similar question from Manal, she asked, I have heard about sending people meta. Is there any significance or validity in this? That's not possible. That's not possible at all because there's no way to send another person meta, right? Like I could sit here and send you guys meta all day long. And if you're out making decisions that aren't loving kindness, then that's your decisions. There's nothing that I can send through the air to make you a more loving and kind person. You have to choose to do that on your own. But let's say like in a household here with my son and my wife, 
let's say I'm an angry, hostile, you know, aggressive person and I decide to start changing my ways and I start being more loving and kind. Well, in the household, if I'm an aggressive, angry person, you can be sure that the people that are living around me are angry and aggressive too because I've kind of conditioned their mind to be that way. And this is my gamma coming back to me because I'm angry, um, have this hostility, and I'm venting my anger to others, my wife and my son. So that means they're probably going to be doing the same thing back to me. Well, now if I start getting into loving kindness meditation and I start training my mind to be more loving and have this active goodwill towards other beings, as I do that more and more and more and more, and I start practicing loving kindness on a daily basis, not just in meditation, but in daily life and the way that I talk to people and the way that I interact with people, those other people in my household will be influenced by that, right? But they still have to make the choice to get rid of that hostility and anger on their own. Just by me doing loving kindness meditation by myself, it's not going to change them they still have to have their own life practice where they're doing their own meditation and they're choosing to practice loving kindness in daily life. You know, if we were able to send others metta or loving kindness, that means one person could just sit down and meditate and the whole world would be loving and kind. You know, it doesn't work that way. Each individual has to choose to do it for themselves. We have a question from Javier. So what can we do between meditations? I mean, during the day when we're not meditating. That's where you just live your life and you practice what we call the Eightfold Path. We're going to get to that in about two weeks, two and a half weeks. So now we're just kind of getting you guys started in some gradual teachings to kind of ramp up to the real life practice. The real life practice is the Eightfold Path, which is how to practice in daily life. But in your daily life, you know, you're going to have friends, you're going to have family, you're going to have a certain livelihood, you're going to have certain things you do on a daily basis, but you're going to be doing them in a more enlightened way because you're building out this life practice, which we're going to get to when we talk about the Eightfold Path. So we're kind of slowly ramping up and you're hearing a couple of things from some of the students that have been part of this program for a number of months now. So you're kind of hearing some things that we're talking about, like compassion and things that we haven't gotten to, but we're going to slowly kind of unveil the Buddhist teachings over time so that as you gradually learn them, you can gradually implement them into your life. But if you're tracking along in this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana, just go chapter by chapter like we're doing, just taking one chapter at a week. And this week we're on chapter two. And because we're not quite yet into the real core teachings, I'm starting you out kind of developing a meditation practice because the more that you start doing meditation on a daily basis in the way that I'm teaching you here, when we start bringing some of the other teachings on board and you start learning and applying those, you already have the meditation underway. So we're going to continue to develop this meditation practices of breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. But each week we're going to be bringing in more and more knowledge so that you can see the truth and you can develop wisdom. And gradually over time, this wisdom that you acquire is going to start slowly affecting the mind where the mind starts functioning in the world very different. 
in a more enlightened way with this wisdom. But right now, this loving kindness meditation, the wisdom here that you can see for yourself is that this anger, this hatred, this ill will, this hostility, this resentment, if you practice this meditation on a daily basis, you'll see this starting to get knocked down. And I realize that I haven't really described the problem so much. That's what we're going to get into throughout the program. One of the things that I really tend to do a lot as a teacher is I describe what the problem is and what the solution is and then show you how these things connect. And I really enjoy sharing that with students because you need that in order to really develop a real thorough life practice. But here at the beginning of the program, I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of light teachings just to kind of get you started with breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. But as we get going here, we're going to get deeper and deeper into it so that you can learn more and apply more in your life. We have a question from Amina. During loving kindness meditation, if we become distracted with other thoughts, is it best to start the rings all again or continue where we left off? It's up to you. You can start over or you can just continue where you are. But if you're going through loving kindness meditation and you're finding your mind drifting a lot, you could go back to breathing mindfulness meditation and really kind of recentering the mind on the breath and then continue forward if you like. Totally up to you. There's lots of different options here. But you definitely want to start with yourself, go through a bunch of successive rings, and then finish something with all beings that includes all beings, all encompassing for all beings. Thank you, David. We have no more questions at this time. Okay. So what I would like to do is encourage all of you to continue to work on this meditation practice because once we get going here more in the program, we're going to be adding some more and more teachings and it's going to get really deep here really quickly in the next couple of weeks. As we talk on Sunday coming up, we're going to talk about what is Nibbana or what is enlightenment. And then the following Sunday, we're going to go into the Four Noble Truths, which is a really deep foundational teaching. Then we're going to go into the Eightfold Path, which is the entire path of how to actually attain enlightenment. Those three weeks are going to be quite a lot of information and, and really, really in-depth. So here at the beginning of the program, I'm sharing breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation so that you can start getting those underway and you can start training the mind to be more in the present moment, more focused, with more clear mind, so that when you take on these other teachings, the mind can kind of hold on to them and kind of connect with the teachings more readily. So I really would like to encourage you to practice breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation daily, either once a day, twice a day, three times a day, whatever you can work in, really establish this foundational practice of meditation throughout your day, right? Whether it's in the morning, midday, or evening. Gautama Buddha did meditation those three times. He did morning, middle of the day, and evening. So if you have that amount of time and you can do it, great. Oftentimes people need to kind of ramp up to that. But if you're out of work or you're at home because of COVID or you're retired and you don't have as much work obligation, you may be able to go right to a three-day schedule and you'll notice you'll get enormous amount of benefit the more of that that you do. If you did three times a day, you're going to get an enormous amount of benefit. So if you can ramp up to that, go for it. You're going to see the benefits that much more. 
But even if you can just get once a day, that's better than perhaps what you're doing right now. But if you're already doing once a day, move that to twice a day. And if you're doing twice a day, try to move it up to three times so that you can start building out and establishing this meditation practice, which is going to be the foundation that we build everything else on top of. So you couldn't meditate your way to enlightenment. If you, all you ever did was meditation, you would never get to enlightenment. But you also can't get to enlightenment without meditation. So we need to establish this really good, wholesome meditation practice so that you can build everything else on top of it. Meditation is your foundation in this practice of training the mind, right? That's what we're doing. We're not doing rites, rituals, ceremonies, worship. We're not doing any of that because that doesn't lead to enlightenment. What we're doing is we're training the mind. And meditation is one of the primary things that we're doing as a foundational practice to train the mind to this enlightened mental state. So you need to work on developing this meditation practice where it's daily and it's consistent. If you miss a day or you feel a little bit lazy or complacent and you don't get to it, don't allow that to pull you down, feel guilty and feel shameful and have everything fall apart. Just the next day, jump right back on it and keep on going. The benefits of meditation are cumulative. They accumulate the more and more that you do it. So meditation isn't a situation where you do it once or twice and everything is completely solved in the mind, right? Here in modern society, we tend to want that quick fix or that you know quick answer. This is a gradual progression of training the mind. So you need to commit to a really long journey with meditation. And if you're able to do this every day, you're going to see within a, a week or two, you're going to see the benefits right away. That's how you see the truth. You're not believing what I share with you. Don't believe anything I told you about loving kindness meditation today. Go out and do it. And you see for yourself that it's true. But what you'll notice is even a week or two, you'll start noticing a difference and a real benefit. You get out to a month, two months, six months, you're really going to notice big, big, big differences get out to a couple of years of meditation, wow, things are really drastically improved now. But you can't get to that if you don't just take the first step of applying these teachings in your life. So whatever you've been doing for meditation up to this point, now that you're in this program, set those things aside. You can always come back to them if you like. Just let them go. Focus on the breathing mindfulness meditation that I taught last week and focus on this loving kindness meditation that I'm sharing with you now. Do these each day, once, twice, or three times a day, and then you're gonna see things are gradually going to improve, so you'll see the truth for yourself that these meditations are actually working. So I'll see you guys on Sunday at nine o'clock Thai time, where we're gonna be talking about what is enlightenment? What is Nibbana? We're gonna be describing this mental state and all the various aspects of it. We're gonna be going into a lot of details. So if you'd like to read beforehand, you can read before or you can read after or you can read both times. But either way, have a really wonderful rest of your day. Really cultivate this active goodwill for all beings in meditation and then practice it in daily life. Be polite, be kind, be friendly and be respectful to all beings and there's no benefit in us being angry being hostile holding resentment 
having hatred or ill will, there's no benefit to us to do that. But the unenlightened mind is going to want to hold on to these things. But what we are going to do over the course of this program and for many months and years after that is you're going to train the mind to let go of all of that stuff because it no longer benefits you. This hatred, this anger, this ill will, this hostility, it doesn't benefit you. So these meditations and all the other practices that I'm going to share with you is going to train the mind to let this go. So now you can be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. And because of gamma, over time, by you doing this, more and more of that will come back to you. But you're not doing this because you're trying to get this to come back to you. You're making these changes in your life because it's the right thing. They're good, wholesome teachings that are improving the condition of your mind. And by you changing your mind, then you will see over time, your life will get better and better and better. So thank you for joining. We'll see you on Sunday at 9 o'clock Thai time. Until next time, Sawadihap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.